Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Do you see it? Have you opened your eyes to the beauty around you? There's beauty in the earth. It's design. It's rhythm. Christ is Advent is the arrival of Christ, the expectation of Christ coming into the world, and so uh, we'll be here until Christmas and actually the week after, which is not traditional Advent. We'll be focusing on the birth of Christ um, during this season. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. We'll be in John chapter one, one through eleven. John chapter one, uh, one through eleven. I can't remember if I said my name already. If not, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the teaching team. Uh, if I said that twice, I'm I'm sorry. You'll just have to deal with that. John 1, 1 through 11, we'll read it and talk about it. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So that's the word of God, and that's what we'll be looking at this morning. We'll be uh, in the really the first book of John for all uh, this this sermon series. The series is uh, the the beauty of Christ. So we're really going to emphasize, man, that really the character and nature of Christ, and Christ is beautiful. And the hope is uh, that we would open our hearts to more of who God is and the beauty that He 
that he has for you. Uh, the sermon title this morning uh, is, is, is this. I have really two. One's a statement and one's a question, and it's really for two different people groups. One is this, uh, what life is really about. Some of us need to hear more of like a command, like um, you are chasing things that are not life, and you need to hear what is the purpose of your life. And so a statement uh, to give you kind of a, a vision, a purpose, walking out of here is you got to realize what life really is about. Uh, as a, really in a correction mode. And then some of you, I would say it this way, uh, what is life really about? Maybe you're searching and you're here trying to position yourself under finding the, the meaning uh, of Christmas. And so this is a, a good posture to come in. What is life really about? And that's what we're gonna talk about uh, this morning. And so if you're listening, as I was reading one through 11, um, there is an emphasis on, on light. And so that got me thinking is like, man, what are we doing here? So you're here. We're starting another Advent series. If you've been here, this is what we do. Uh, we, it's, <laughs> we go through Advent. We're going to talk about Jesus and him being born and, and, and what, you know, kind of go through the motions. Uh, you're going through the motions right now, probably. There's probably a tree in your living room, um, a lot of us. And there's probably lights outside. If not, after the sermon, I hope you feel um, uh, inspired to put lights out for the reason um, but we're just going through the motions. We're doing it again. And whether you know it or not, I'm in it. We're doing Advent activities, which is fantastic. But we're, we're doing Christmas again. Now, I don't want to just go through the motions. Um, and I'm, I feel like sometimes we just, we just make, just do these things and miss really the, be- the beauty of Christ. I mean, just because you're doing something doesn't mean you're doing it. Um, you know, often I tell my kids, like, hey, as they're going to school, it's like, I know you're going to school. And we go to school every day. <laughs> but you know why you go to school, right? We want to learn. Like, that, that, that sounds so simple. But that's why you're going. It's not, that's the you know, primary is to, to grow and how God's made the world, how he's made the world in common grace. Um, same thing on practice. I try to give my kids pep talks when they go to practice. Just don't go through the, the motions. Like, you're going. You're going to give your time. Pay attention, learn, and so I'm, I'm, you're here. Like, you, you made the effort. You dressed up. You drove here. Like, listen, learn, some, you know, humble yourself uh, to what's going on. So like I mentioned, there's probably a tree in your house. You're going to have presents this year. This is always a good learning thing for me. I don't really like presents, and I don't like giving them, but, man, God's always, during the season, making me consider presents. Uh, we're going to celebrate probably have some food, some fellowship, you're coming together. And I want you to think about the why. Again, lights outside the house. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a staple as you drive around, the private lights on your trees, uh, the lighting of candles. Now, it's interesting. Um, why? Why are we doing this? One, about lights uh, on the house. So I'm, my, my stage of life right now is I'm, I'm a shuttle. I'm just shuttling kids. That's just where I'm at. Every night, I, it's my kids and their friends and practices and you know, whatever, friends gatherings, whatever. So I had some uh, shuttling going on, and you know, I was preparing for this, this sermon, and it was on my mind. So I asked the four kids in the back of my truck, I was like, hey, you see the lights on the house? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, you ever thought about why, why that's there? And they're like, yeah, it's Christmas. And I was like, no, 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 I, I get it. I've, I've lived, right? Christmas lights. I was like, but why? Why, why do we do that? Because it's Christmas, all right? And I think that's most of our answers. Like, oh, the light's outside in the house. Why? Because it's Christmas. I was like, no, that, it, it, it's because of Jesus. It says in this text, seven times, it, it gives a metaphor to Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. And he's come to push back what darkness is. So as we put lights outside when it's dark, I want you to think something very particular. It's about Jesus bringing light 
into darkness. Now, maybe you haven't even considered, but I hope for the rest of the Christmas season, you'd look at lights as you drive around and consider Christ being the light of the world to push back darkness. And what in the world does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the light, him pushing back darkness? And this is what this text uh, is primarily uh, about. So it says, again, seven times in this 1 through 11, light, you know, we'll get into it. Jesus is the light. What does it mean uh, and why is this metaphor of light being used so, so much? Verse 4, it tells us uh, this much. In him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. So light equals what? Life. Light, uh, light equals life. Now, this is not a stretch for us. Know why? Because the sun, the great light, if you've seen it, uh, it gives what? Life. That's what it does. Did you know uh, without the sun, if it went out today, and eventually it's going out, I don't know if you know that, it gives, but it gives light, life, it would be zero degrees uh, within a day. So think about that's, that's cold. Uh, within, I, I think it was like a week, it'd be like minus 100. And it'd finally stabilize negative uh, 400. So that's, that's cold. Now that's not even livable. So the, the light brings what? The ability for life. I did this similar text for students and I, I mentioned this. And I said, you know, without the sun, which gives life, you, you know, we wouldn't have photosynthesis. I was like, y'all know what photosynthesis is? And like, yeah, it gives us sugar. I'm like, no, oxygen. So they're not doing the learning thing, right? Without, without light, immediately uh, there'd be no more, you know, the, the, the oxygen, oxygen would be dissipating. Without uh, light, there is no life. Did you know, which is interesting, you can go ch- fact check me later, not now. Genesis 1-3, it says, in the beginning God, and, and he made light the first day. Now what's interesting about that, in verse 14, the fourth day, what did he make? The sun. So before there was a sun, there was light that made what? Life. Who was that? That's God. God is light, and he gives life. That's an interesting thing to think about. The other thing it says that light pushes back darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. Light is beautiful. Why? Because light triumphs, it overcomes, it's, it, it penetrates uh, everything. Uh, the things that you can't see in light are visible. It, 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 um, it allows you to have hope. I mean, if you've ever been in a hopeless situation, that lighthouse in the dark, it gives you a bearing to see where you're going. I remember um, it's like watching the sunrise. It, it, it's one, it's beautiful too, but it, it, it penetrates as the sun continues to rise. It allows you to see things in the dark. One of my favorite things growing up was to duck hunt and I, the ducks were safe. I couldn't hit anything. I was a pack mule, but the reason why I love sitting in that, that duck blind is I'd sit in the dark and the first thing I'd see is a ray of light come up and it was so penetrating and powerful as it rose. It, it made you worship. Um, it pushes back darkness, and furthermore, it got warmer as that sun rose, right? And that, that's what light does. Now, verse 9, it says this, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus, listen, Jesus is the true light. Now, it goes out of, out of the way to mention that Jesus, is the metaphor is light. He's the true light seven times. It's telling us something about his character. That Jesus is light. Now, what is it telling us about his character? Uh, that's, that's what we got to figure out. Jesus coming in the world, he's the, the light that is, 
that the darkness won't overcome. So verses one through three, it then goes into uh, the word. It will help us discover what does it mean. It goes out of its way that Jesus is the light. What does it mean that Jesus is the light? So verse one, it says, in the beginning was what? The word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, what's interesting here, the verses one through three, when it says, uh, in the beginning was the word, it's referencing, if you, like again, Genesis one, in the beginning was what? God. So it's talking about really before creation. He's talking about eternal things at this point. It's a, it's a glimpse before there's a creation into who the creator was. That's why it's saying in the beginning, before creation, this is who God is. And this is why uh, we name the sermon title this, what is the reason for life? It's saying before the life was actually happened, there was something going on before that that you should consider that informs what we're doing now. This is eternal things. It's a glimpse into who God is. It's the source of life or the purpose of for life. In the beginning was what? Uh, the Word. Now, who is the Word? I, I can tell you it's Jesus, but I'm going to prove my work. If you go down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory uh, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace. So the Word is what? It's the Son. So who is S-O-N? That's Jesus. So what I want to do is reread verses 1 through 3 and put Jesus' name there, because that's what it's saying, it says, in the beginning was what? Jesus. So Jesus was born before creation. He wasn't created. He was before creation. So in the beginning was Jesus. And listen, and Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. He, that's Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now this gives us great insight as you read it this way. Number one, it says in verse one, Jesus was, was God. Now this is important. Jesus is not sub-God. Jesus is God. He is, he is divine. He is eternal. Uh, Jesus, it says here, is the creator. He, has a, he, is, the, he is divine, and, he, and it says uh, that in verse three that he created. I'll just read it. All things, listen, all things were made through him, and, without, and, with, and with him was not anything made that was made. Now, this is interesting, the, the idea that Jesus is creator, this is particular, because it says, without him, nothing was made. It wasn't like Jesus just started something that kind of rolled out. It says that Jesus, in particular, created all things. Uh, the first time I saw uh, the intro that I believe Garrett made, Garrett's super talented, if you ever seen him, he's just awesome, blesses our church. But as you looked at that, you saw mountains, stars, can't remember it all, but a lot. It made me tear up. Know why? Because Jesus made that in particular. Like, that just didn't happen. That was God's idea. He's beautiful. And as you look at the creation, you know what you see? You see beautiful things. And it's meant to dis display his glory. So when you says that Jesus is the creator, you should see, you should see beautiful, uh, how beautiful God is in his creation. Uh, furthermore, verse 4, it says, in him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. Jesus created you. I, I hope you hear that this morning. Like, you're not an accident. You're God's idea, and he purposely made you, you. Now, that's amazing to think about, that God decided, I want to make you. I mean, that's special. I mean, it's, it's a special thing that you can think about, that God didn't have to have you. We'll get to that in a second. But he, he wanted to make you. 
Now, we've got to ask the question, well, why did he make us? And we'll answer that here in a second. Uh, but the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus was God. He's divine, and he created not only, not only everything in particular, but he particularly made you. Um, number two, when it says Jesus not only was God, uh, in verse two, it says, he was in the beginning, what, with God. Now, this is super confusing. <laughs> so Jesus is God, now he's with God. What in the world is it talking about? It's talking before creation was what? There was God, and God is triune in nature. So he was not only God, but he's also with God. So scripture teaches us the God of the Bible is triune. There's one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was what? With the Father from the beginning. What does that tell us? This tells us something significant. This is not throwaway language. That Jesus was with God means that Jesus has always been in, in, in fellowship with one another. There's, God is a God in community. Now, why does this matter? Jesus loves the Father and God. The Father loves the Son. He's with this is intimate relationship. We are made in the image and likeness of God who's in community. John 1.18 helps us further define what with actually means. Uh, and this is before creation. Before everything was created, this is who God is. In John 1.18, it says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So Jesus has made who the Father, uh, the Father known to us. That's one of the purposes he came um, but it also says that he's by the Father's side, which talks about his relationship with the Father. That actually means bosom. Now, so what does it say in that Jesus has always been in an intimate relationship with the Father before creation? Now, this tells you about this with, what that means uh, to a certain degree, just the intimacy level. The bosom is like near, um, that, that's a close community, that's a close relationship. So, Put it this way, there is four human beings and one animal that can get in my bosom. That's my chest. You know who that is? That's my wife. But my on the couch, she is more than welcome to come snuggle with me. Kennedy Kate, that's my daughter, and Joshua and Deacon, always welcome to come snuggle, right? And my dog Gus. Now, if you come up and try to snuggle with me in my bosom, I'm gonna look at you, it's like you have mistaken our relationship, <laughs> right? You're not with me in intimacy in that way, right? This is bosom buddies, if you will. This is intimate, face-to-face -face communication. What is it telling us about who God is before time? God is love. That's so significant, that Jesus is love. Now, a lot of us think that God just does loving things, and that's a false thought. That's a true thought to a certain degree. He does loving things. Why? Because that's who he is. That's who he is. God is love. Now, He's always been in this loving relationship, giving of communication, friendship, relationship, intimacy, kindness. Now, God made us in his image and likeness. Why? Not to get anything from him. He's been sufficient himself since the beginning of time. So why in the world did he make us? To give love. To give love. Now, this is what it's telling us about Jesus. Jesus is love. Listen, we were made in love. He made us for love, and he made us to give love. What is the world about? Why is this all here? It's about love. See, when it says Jesus is the light, he made this to, to bring love into this world. Now, how many people would say, this is the, this is the, the, the world that I experience? 
Would you say the world's love? No, I wouldn't describe the world that way. Uh, neither, does, neither does scripture. It actually says uh, in verse five, the light shines in the darkness. So the, the, the world that we're experiencing now is what darkness. What is darkness? So if light equals love, what does darkness equal? The loss of love, the opposite of love. See, we experience the loss of love in our world. We're, we experience it all the time. The opposite of who God is. Now, a lot of us want to blame God, but this is, this is not who God is. We'll get to what the issue is. But in 1 John 1.5, it tells us this idea. Um, in 1 John 1.5, maybe on the screen. There it is. Uh, this is the message we, uh, we have heard from him and proclaimed to him that, that God is light. Now listen, and in him there is no, no darkness at all. So in who, who God is, there's only light. He's only loving. So what do we experience is, is, is darkness. Well, that's not in him. So why do we experience uh, that? Because in verse 5 it says there's, there, there's, there's darkness. Now, James 4, 1 and 2 tells us the why behind the darkness or the sin behind the darkness. Uh, in James, it says this. It asks us, us a question. Why do we experience this loss of love or, or this, as it says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Why is it? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So what is it telling you? Why does darkness exist? (laughs) It's our sin nature to quarrel. We're trying to get something that we've lost. The, The deeper idea of sin and fighting and the loss of love is sin, but behind that is selfishness. The reason why we experience the loss of love in our relationships, hear me, is because of you and me, because of sin in the world and the, selfish in our, the selfishness in our heart. It actually talks about, we're in Ephesians, it says, you were darkness. And it's like, what does that mean? What does it mean I, I was darkness, man? Because of sin that was brought in the, uh, into the world by Adam, but also the sin that's in my own heart, I am selfish in the cost of that is the loss of love or darkness, the evil in the world, um, the brokenness of the world, that, that's because of my selfishness, your selfishness. Now, we know this. We know this is true. So, like, you know why marriages fail? Because of sin. So what, what type of sin? Selfishness. That's why. Like, when you act selfishly, no one's going to come to you and say, hey, that's 100 bucks. What's the cost? What's the cost? It's a relationship. Moment by moment, you could be losing your relationship through what? <laughs> through your selfishness. Like, what do you think adultery is? It's thinking of you, not your spouse, not what that means for your family. What does that do to a marriage? It destroys it. It does. Like, every time that you say, oh, you know what? I'm going to spend time at work because I'm hard. I'm a hardworking person. But you don't go home. You don't tuck in the kids. You don't check on them. What is that? You can paint it up how you want. It's selfishness. What's going to be happening? Your marriage is going to suffer. The price to pay for, for selfishness is, is a loss of love. Friendships. You know why you lose friendships? Selfishness. Kids. I mean, that, we know this to be true. Sin, what separates us. Now, sin separates us from God. It says this in um, Isaiah 9-2 about the world that we live in now. 
uh, des- describes that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's the hope of Christ. And those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. This wording here, and actually it says in Matthew, it's a death shadow. What we live in now, because of our sin, primarily against God and what we experience in our relationships with one another, we live in a death shadow. Like, <laughs> we should experience light in life, but what we experience is death. Um, one, we have a spiritual death, and we are made for love, and to find that love namely in God, but because of our sin, we've been separated from God. Uh, Isaiah 59, verse 2, it talks about this death shadow and the spiritual death, but your iniquities have made a separation. What, is, what does sin do? It separates. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Why? Sin. Sin separates us from God. Now we have this spiritual death. We are made to know God, to experience his love, but because of sin, we do not feel his love. We are cut off from, really, the light and the love of God. So what, what are we doing? Why do we take? Our depravity is selfishness. We're trying to recover this lost love, and we look to the world to get it. Not to God. We look to the world. That's why, you know, the reason why you fight and bicker is what you covet and you don't have. You want what that person has because you think that thing will satisfy. This is a spiritual death. Not, and there's a depravity that we don't even know the selfishness that's in us of why you even do the things that you do. Like you're trying, you, since you're made for love, you're trying to be lovable. That's why you do everything you do. I don't know if you know that. You're trying to achieve this love apart from receiving it uh, in God. So like you got to think about why do you post the things you do on social media? You're trying to show who you are to say, man, I'm lovable. Why do you act the way you do in certain crowds? You're trying to achieve this love. You're trying to show this is who you are, to bring value to yourself, to, to, to achieve this love. Why do, you, why do you have to make so much money? Because it's a status thing. You want people to look at you and say, you're worthy. Right? I see you. I remember I went to a basketball camp like in fourth grade, and Larry Johnson I don't remember him back in the day, but he gave this speech about being great at basketball. I remember it this day. I was like, because I want to be great at basketball. And and they're like, like, hey, why are you so great? What motivated? He's like, because I knew the best basketball player got the prettiest girl. I'm like, how does that work? Why does a girl, in his mind, this is not my mind, care about that? Because he was saying, if I could do these certain things, the world will think I'm lovable and I'm beautiful. And so we do all the things that we do. Why? You got to ask why. We're trying to feel this deep void in our heart that we're made for love. We can't get that satisfaction. It's an insatiable appetite. I mean, I use this illustration. I taught the hinge this week, and I don't know if this is relevant. I'll say it, and I didn't say it in the last one. But Tom Brady's interesting. He's old. I mean, old. I mean, you look at him, he looks old, right? And if you're older than him, I'm sorry, but that's how he looks. He shouldn't be playing football, right? Why does he keep playing? Because he wants to say, I'm lovable. He has accomplished everything in this life according to the world, but he still doesn't feel that love, and it's not going to go away. That's a spiritual death that we all have. It's depravity. We're just seeking to fill it through our selfishness. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is what? Death. You know, I don't know if you know this. There's a spiritual reality of your deathness that is destroying your relationship of your selfishness. That is true. Now, by God's grace, you know what you're actually doing? You're dying. That is actually a grace of God to help understand your selfishness. You're like, I don't think that's a grace of God. Well, you wouldn't know the depths of your depravity and your need unless you were going to die. 
No one wants to die, but a physical reminder that I was made for more may, by God's grace, awaken us to our spiritual deadness. There's a physical reality that we're dying, and by God's grace, it may awaken us that we were made not to die, but have love. See, we are looking for love that we lost in God because of sin. Now, we just can't turn on the lights. We just can't be loving people. We can't not just be selfish. It tells us in verse five that this, the light shines in the darkness. We need an outside source of light and love, namely Jesus Christ. So this is not of just be better sermon. You cannot just be loving. That's not in you. You just can't not be selfish. That's in you. What do you need? You need to be overwhelmed by the light and love of God in a particular way to save you from yourself, to remove your sin and give you a heart like God's. How do you get, how do you get this love? It, it tells us to a certain degree, but this is what the sermon series will be about. Um, 9 and 11, it says this. The true light, which gives the light to everyone, was coming to the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Um, Jesus, the, Jesus, who is God, was with God and became a, a baby. Why? Why did why did Jesus being the light and the love of God come to be rejected. Now, this is interesting. Why did Jesus come, come to be rejected? Why did he come to be rejected? Is that you would never be rejected, but have the acceptance of God. Why did, he, why did he sacrifice everything so you could actually experience the great love of God that he has for you um, in the person of Jesus Christ? You're going to have to understand the worth of Christmas before, the beauty of Christmas, before you ever change um, to be like God, to experience the love of God. How do, you know, how do you know how much something's worth? How much you pay for it? That's a simple idea, right? Um, and if you get, if you, men, if you get married, they tell you to, to save three months' salary and buy a ring for, for your fiance. To me, that's crazy, right? That's a lot of money. Why do you do that? To say, hey, you're worth it, right? I'm gonna give up three months' pay for this jewelry that my wife doesn't wear even now, to say she wears a ring, just not that ring, all right? Uh, that you're worthy, right? That, that's, that's a lot of money. Now, when they, they, they say, and some of you have experienced this, when you lose a loved one, you, you just you don't get over it. You, you don't. Uh, when I watched my, my grandma lose my grandpa, never got over it. It was deep pain and anguish for the rest of her life. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because Christmas is a statement of how much God loves you and your worth. Jesus came, not only came for you, but he came and he died for you. He gave up his life to give you life. On the, and I think we hear that and we're like, I know that. But do you know it? On the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The loving relationship we had with the Father forever, for eternity, was snuffed out. And the anguish and pain that he had is incredible. Now, why did he lay down his life? To bring you that love. Because you should have been rejected. You should have lost love. But he lost his love to bring you love. There's no greater anguish than God had on the cross. Why did he do it? Because you're worth it to him. Until you understand that great love, it'll, ne it'll never 
You'll never be satisfied in the world. Um, Not only does Christmas show you the worth that God has on you, but also shows you his character. You know, we are made to receive God's love and to, to love other people before ourselves. In our sin nature, we think about ourselves and we use people. That's not God's design, but Jesus in the ultimate act of selflessness and sacrifice, considering you before himself on all respects, can save us from our sin nature and put a loving heart into us. The reason how you really know you can trust someone is when they love you and serve you with no strings attached. And that's, Jesus did that more than anyone. He's showing you his character and nature. It says in Matthew 20, verse 28, uh, this, that even as the Son of Man came not to be served, what, but to serve. Like, he didn't, he didn't come to take anything from you. He didn't come to say, get, get your life together. He came to serve you and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, he ultimately, on the cross, was putting you before him, taking on darkness. He's taking on sin. He's talking on, taking on the wrath of God. Why? Because he loves you, and he wants you to trust and know him. It's the greatest sacrifice to bring you out of what? Your selfishness, to experience the love of God that comes in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the love of the world. The question, have you received it? Have you sat under it? See, this kindness will melt your heart. Now, the kindness of Christmas, if you let it, will melt your heart. No one will ever love you that way. No one. Has the light, has, has the light and the love of Jesus Christ dawned on your heart? Because that's what it's like. When you experience it, there's, there's beauty and an okayness and a peace that Jesus, as you, as you experience him, him, it's like light starts to flood into your heart where you never experienced it. And it rises as the sun has the noonday and it starts to change you and it melts you from the inside out. So as you drive around, don't go through the motion. I want you to look at all the lights everywhere and say, man, Jesus came. Why? To bring light into darkness. Where's that darkness? My dark heart. I want you to think about light equals love and think about this Christmas season that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. That Jesus, he came for you and Jesus died for you. This is, this is, this don't, this is so beautiful if you allow it to flood your dark heart. Don't, don't miss it. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us respond by faith. I pray that we consider just the text that the way you communicate that, that you've come down to bring us love, to, to change our dark hearts, to experience your love. We just receive it. God, that you take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh that beats for you and others. That we would know our worth, that we wouldn't look to the world for that, but we know it because of Jesus. That, that he created us, he came for us, and he died for us. Help us experience what you came to do. Help us be still and not so busy and miss it. I pray for the Spirit of God to move in our church and these men, these women, these students, these kids. It's such a powerful thing. His name and how he pursues us. I ask that in Jesus' name, amen.